As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to another edition of Copa with Felipe Cardenas. Today, I have two special guests, my colleagues, Pablo Maurer and Jeff Ruder. They are the co-authors of a new weekly column that will appear on The Athletic during the MLS playoffs. The first edition was published on Monday, just two days ago. I really liked it. I enjoyed it because of the banter. And honestly, you can never go wrong with the Nickelback reference uh i think that was jeff that threw that in there um it, it yeah. really is like a light-hearted take on american professional soccer because guys sometimes it gets too serious right it gets too serious we talk about tactics all the time and uh half spaces and uh prime attacking zones and it's good to just sort of look at the the mls playoffs as they stand uh and and have a laugh so pablo jeff welcome to the show thank Thanks you for having us it's always a pleasure um so listen i was uh, let's start here i was on the staff call when i remember uh i believe it was jeff uh who who pitched this idea for the column it might have been both of you at the same time i don't really remember but let's start there like what was the thought process behind this column like why did you guys want to do it first of all i love that you saying i heard the pitch at the staff meeting as if this is this big presentation (laughs) that pablo and i threw together (laughs) you're you're gonna make a 5500 word long form out of jeff and i's origin story for a column that basically started because the two of us just love talking shit anyway, <laughs> um, i mean that's that's it right yeah i mean that we actually... a betting column last year right called bam uh betting allocation money that um you know i think did reasonably well as far as readership goes um and we both broke even it's also worth mentioning um uh but i think for jeff and i it was like just nice to get together kind of the middle of the week and sort of go back and forth and like you said take things a little bit less seriously not that i ever really take things particularly seriously but um yeah that's that's my take on it yeah and and i think the other part of it is uh, so much of what people talk about what they like about major league soccer has very little to do with the soccer like when you hear people talk about how they're really invested in it's the sideshow stuff it's matthew mcconaughey getting a luchador mascot to calm down after putting an owner in a headlock i don't know if you saw this over the weekend but um 
They, they staged Austin staged this thing. I'll send you the video off. Oh, this God. is a great start to a podcast. So, I describe so a video no one's seen. <laughs> but um, they have a new mascot um, called I think Verdissimo, who uh, is a like a human in a luchador garb, and he put one of the ownership group, not um, Anthony Precourt, but a different member of the ownership group, in a headlock. And Matthew McConaughey suddenly comes up and goes whoa, 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 and grabs a fresh plate of nachos and hands it to Verdissimo, and he's just like, okay, great, never mind. Oh yeah, they did like so a, that's okay, Austin. Jesus, man, this is like classic MLS, you know. <laughs> but that's okay. just it. That's classic MLS. Classic yeah. MLS is yeah. not Robbie Keane scoring worldies. It's not a Darlington Nagby every touch montage, as I referred to in this piece. Like it's, it's the culture. It's the sideshow. It's the the oddities, the weirdness, the, the the plays that only happen in MLS, right? And and you know, to quote Michael Sarah, "Calm down, Greg. It's soccer." So I, I think it's just fun to riff about it with pablo um we didn't really do much of it during the year um mm-hmm. just as, as various projects pulled us in other directions but uh we're back well <laughs> like let's be clear we're back. Say, let's, and jeff by the way did you say an every touch montage is that like common phrase oh every that's like that's sounds like uh like an mls yeah yeah, 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 yeah. or something like that <laughs> it does yeah, like, it's uh, uh felipe knows about these right yeah like, oh yeah yeah it's, it usually like, has like some really bad dubstep. Yeah, yeah. Um, It'll be like all skills slash touches. Right. Literally, like every time a ball comes toward. Yeah, yeah, every time like a ball came towards Iniesta in this obscure game against Real Batiste in like 2008. Yeah. And yeah. Like, Look yeah. at the class of this player. That's the whole point. But it's funny because you mentioned, you know, you guys haven't done a lot of it this year. We do plenty of it in our private group chats. And so it, it's it's interesting to see how this uh, gets translated into print and how you guys also have to sort of like hold back a little bit, but, but not completely. I mean, I was reading this, the story and uh, let's start with, let's start with Pablo's relationship with FC Cincinnati. I think that yes. should, I think, let, let's go there. Let's go there. So hold on. Let me just read quickly what Pablo wrote. Just, just one this section about, about FC Cincinnati. <laughs> All right. So this is Pablo. First of all, uh, basically saying, Hey, I'm going to come clean since he's actually good now, after he dunked on them for three years, they were, they were the worst team. I never said team. good. I never said good, but yeah. Okay, but hold on. Here we go. Here we go. Here's exactly what you said. Since he has gone for broke every game and has been legitimately watchable in 2022, best of luck in the playoffs. Your chili still sucks. <laughs> okay, so before I get to the comment section of this, like just Pablo. Describe your relationship with FC Cincinnati and their fan base. Well, I just want to clarify real, I will. But um, when I say that, I mean, think about how lukewarm of a compliment watchable is. Um, I have a <laughs> aunt and uncle from Pittsburgh, and they always brag that Pittsburgh is always voted the most livable city. And I'm just like, it's literally like, that's the worst. Any, anyways. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can live here. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it started out innocuously enough. They're, they're, the team is owned by... Um, a deeply religious man, which is fine. You know, he's, he openly sort of stated at, at the time when the club came out with its crest that, you know, I, I'm blanking on the specific name of this lion right now, but, you know, that... Gary. He had put, yeah, you're right, Gary. <laughs> that he had put that in there, you know, sort of like to... As a nod to his religious affiliation. And I just like, I don't know, I expressed some concern about that on Twitter. I'm not an anti-religious person. It's just like... It's a sports team. I, I don't know, you know, why that has to be a thing. Um, and so that it just sort of snowballed from there, you know, and then because I'm just a troll. I mean, <laughs> the second I start getting called like fat and stupid on Twitter, I'm not going to I'm not going to discourage that. You know what I mean? I'm only going to 
going to feed that fire. And it, and it helped that they were historically bad for yeah. years. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it was never, you know, I don't have anything against FC Cincinnati fans or the club itself, and I'm happy to see them doing well. I want everyone to be happy. Every team in MLS should make the playoffs if they if they could. It already almost already happens, you know. So, well, let's um, read. Let, let me let's let me read Tyler S's comment um, <laughs> on from from this story. So Tyler is reading comments off of pieces. Of yeah, this is like mean. Now. It's like mean tweets. It's like mean tweets, but they're comments. Uh, <laughs> Tyler S commented on. By the way, that it was very, this this piece was generally very well received. Um, from what I gather, I, I haven't seen the numbers, but like I saw people really. Uh, like they were like, welcome. The you two are back. We want Bam back. It was great to see. Like the banter is Which, good. By the way, I was not expecting a single sentence right? along those lines. That was yeah. great. But was Tyler, nice. here's here's nice. what Tyler said. Tyler wrote, "All I can take away from this article is how disrespectful and unprofessional Pablo is to fan bases. That's surprising to see in a subscription service. Otherwise, good summary." Uh, and and someone comment be- below. Calm down, Tyler. It's soccer. So I just, you know, I just, sorry, I just love this sentiment. Otherwise, good summary. Yeah, otherwise, aside I like from this whole me trying to slander, our subscribers are paying to get humiliated now. You know, they're paying uh, to get humiliated. That kind of thing only happens on every touch. You know, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jeff, like st- sticking on the on the Cincinnati train, there is also a yeah. nice bit about Brenner and his resurgence. <laughs> why yeah. should we? Why should readers or listeners? care about Brenner like what can you sort of explain how he's gone from literally rock bottom signing to world beater in just a matter of months uh he he picks his moments I I think that Brenner is a he's he's a confidence player you hear about this a lot in in the NBA actually where there'll be the heat check guy who like just Jamal Crawford was like the all-time example of this where like most of the time he'd be like a dependable kind of three and D guy but there'd be just random games where every single shot he would make boom 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 in whatever and for whatever reason this year, Brenner has kind of performed the same way. He has three hat tricks hmm. and like another one or two games with two goals and then just like a couple of games with one goal. And the rest of the time has been more of an auxiliary piece. But um, when Brenner was signed, FC Cincinnati took the uh, curious step marketing wise to announce the signing, to hype the signing with like a fake Tinder window where <laughs> yeah. Brenner it's off screen. It's just like, you're watching the screen. You can't see like a Brazilian hand toggling it as fun as that would be, but like just swiping left on Ajax, swiping left on Real Madrid. I think PSG was probably in it. Um, and there's one more like massive Juventus. I think it was. And then suddenly he sees FC Cincinnati and he's like, Hmm. <laughs> and like the kind of implication <laughs> is like these other ones are, I, I have no interest in moving to a storied European giant, but if I can get my hands on some skyline chili in Ohio on my off days, that is, where this I'm was, my this was another thing that didn't do Jeff and I any favors with no. <laughs> their fan base is <laughs> no, that not. we did an entire piece where we basically just worked sources. Um, and the UK desk worked some sources and just, basically laid out in the piece that there was no interest. There's no interest from these clubs. Right. I mean, no, 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 no soccer player would ever choose any MLS club over any of those clubs. You know, the money, the fame, everything. I mean, whatever, you know, but now he's good. Now, apparently he's good right now. Brenner tied with uh, finishes with 18 goals in the regular season. Him and Brandon Vasquez are like the, this, this killer duo up front. 
they've got the 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 threesome going with with Lucha Costa. Um, I know this is a this is a, a, a PG rated show, but hey, I mean the, those three no up top. I mean that <laughs> that is. I mean, listen, like th- that is the uh, an attacking trio that has now legitimately turned this team FC Cincinnati into like a contender. I mean, are, do you guys think they're a contender in the MLS playoffs? Yeah. I, I will say this. I mean, just watch them against DC. Um, uh, you know, there are a lot of holes, I think, defensively for them still. I mean, they played uh, essentially a mix of high schoolers and MLS veterans on Sunday, gave up two pretty careless goals. You know, uh, it's worth mentioning, obviously they won five to two. It's not like this was a, a barn burner or whatever, but um yeah, I don't quite think they're there yet. Um, it's been great to see, like, Lucho's arrival of form. You know, he's always a player. I don't think Lucho's ever going to be a player who makes a bad team good. Mm-hmm. He is much more the player who makes, um, you know, an average team good um, yep. or a good team great. You know, you have to surround him with the right pieces, and obviously he's found he's found that with Vasquez and, and Brenner, you know. But, you know... On the other side, Felipe, this is MLS, man. I mean, would any of us be shocked if FC Cincinnati went out and you know won MLS Cup or? Made the I don't Cup think so. No, like it, yeah. because of the format and and the, it's just it's about being hot, right? Like if you get right. through and you get some good some key goalkeeping, you win a shootout. By the way, I think there are going to be a lot of shootouts in this in this playoffs. I don't know why, uh, but I just feel like it's going to happen. Jeff, let me ask you something. Pat Noonan, yeah. we keep talking about, and I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to Coach of the Year. Uh, thoughts and and, <laughs> and why Phil Neville should definitely win it, but <laughs> why is there? Yeah. Why aren't we talking about Pat Noonan enough with a uh, coach of the year? Um, I, I think that once you get to the home stretch, two types of candidates really emerge. There's the top end contenders, the ones where you're challenging for the supporter shield or for first or second in your conference. You've done it over the course of the entire season. It wasn't just that you got hot over the final 10 games of the year and then made it into fourth place in the conference or whatever the case is like consistency, consistent success and overperforming to a slight extent. The other school of thought is I did not expect this team to make the playoffs. And then they made the playoffs. And now we're looking at that coach and saying, okay, much respect. You took care of the job. Um, they probably have receipts. They probably have probably receipts. Probably right? do. Yeah, yeah they, they're, they're probably, probably holding up, you know, 13th place, Matt Doyle said. Did you see that uh, Austin fans were just – this is just the Austin show now. The, uh, they, they did, did they actually do this? Do they actually do this? They probably burned Matt no. Doyle in effigy. And and Weeby and Joe Lowry, which, by the way, leave Joe Lowry alone. <laughs> well, hold on. Light. It's not to pivot because, you know – Part of the 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 column, which I really like, is that we. It's not like it's this deep tactical analysis. There aren't you know uh, Y scout graphs anywhere. In no, fact, really hammering that. <laughs> in fact, there's like more of a deep dive on like social media analysis. Like, why did Eric Williamson like this tweet? Uh, why didn't he play? Is there a correlation between his Instagram story that he deleted? Uh, and the fact that he didn't play uh, on on decision day, uh, and then we go back to the fact that yes, like there's this new trend among MLS admins and the social media teams to show the receipts. You know, you thought we were going to be terrible. Uh, said, uh, let's just like once we do well, let's just like call out all the experts that didn't believe in us. So who did it first? Austin did it. I think they Austin produced did a it video. First. Yeah, uh, and now FC Cincinnati has done the same thing. Like. 
what are we doing here, MLS team? I mean, Jeff, you got you got to throw it back to uh, to Adrian Heath, right? I mean, I feel like yeah. if, oh, yeah. if we're talking about just like MLS coaches or personalities that called out the league website, I feel like he's been yeah. He's made, a, he's made a career on this. Yeah, that's that's really his cottage industry. Um, and on the one hand, I get it. I've I've had players in the past, like you know, confront me in a locker room and say, "Why did you write this about me?" And I think a lot of writers have had that experience, and it's fair game, right? Oh, yeah. Like we put this out there, but if if they feel we're off base and they want to have a, a discussion to enlighten us into what we're not seeing, great. I'll always take that conversation, right? But. The, the, the flip side of it is if you're trying to make a whole thing that isn't just like, see, we proved them wrong, like, look how much better off we did. And it becomes like, you know, screw these guys or these guys are absolute clowns or um, I don't know how they're qualified to hold any position. Like if you have a coach saying that, which Adrian Heath has done in Minnesota, which Josh Wolf has done in Austin to some extent, which I think a lot of coaches actually in this league have done specifically with the league's website and not us. <laughs> but, I mean, they're pretty, th- I mean, um, would you agree that MLS yeah. teams are pretty thin skinned, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's where yes. this is, that's where this is yes. going. I, I'm also struck percent. like I've always been, uh, whenever this happens, it's been a couple years in a row now. I've always just been like, this is a, you know, it's a pathetic sort of indictment of the state of MLS media coverage in general when literally every single person they put on those hit lists is like an employee <laughs> of the league website. You know, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just jealous that they don't come, you know, come at the athletic or whatever. I know. I was thinking the same thing last night. I was like, where are we? Like, can I get, where are my receipts? Where are the receipts where I didn't believe in you? I mean, I kind of want to be, be on, in on this trend too. I mean, yeah, I've I gotta, been doubting people it. and criticizing people my entire life. You know, <laughs> I'm cut out for this. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, uh, Pablo, explain what happened with Eric Williamson. Like, what is what's what's the beef here, if, if you can, from 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 the story? He did not play on decision day. Um, Gio Severici said post game, a game that they lost and that they needed to win to get into the playoffs, that it was a coach's decision, and then said something like, We really missed him. So, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, it's still unclear why Gio didn't start one of his most consistent performers throughout the year. Um, and obviously, you know, Portland, the Timbers have a very engaged and openly critical fan base, especially on social media, and a bunch of them took Gio and the the you know the club at whole to task for not uh, for not starting him and as you said um, Eric kind of liked some of those tweets and um, posted a the 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 meme that's a you know a, a graph and one axis says f around and the other is find out right you know he posted that to his Instagram all that obviously was since deleted but clearly it's like one of those one of those situations where a player's personal feelings or, or, you know, personal sort of hurt about not being uh, picked for one reason or another, you know, bleeds over into social media. Um, I love it. I mean, I, I want to yeah. see more of that and I don't care what, you know, I th- don't like, don't delete that. Like you ruin the fun as Alexi says <laughs> when you delete your tweets. And, you know, I think fans can't have it both ways. You can't say that we want, uh, you know, players to be more open and interesting on social media and in the press. And then when they do something like this, you know, um, there's certainly a huge segment of Twitter that that's just like, this is unprofessional. It's like, shut up. 
you know, let's, like, let's read. I'm going to read the tweet that he liked. So yeah. uh, he, if you go to his Twitter account, uh, this is in the story as well. One of his uh, last likes was a, a tweet from, I'm assuming it's a, a Portland Timbers fan named Brianna. And she says, she tags Eric Williamson and says, uh, you're the most valuable asset to the team. Hope you get to go somewhere where, where they'll treat you as such. As long as Gio is around, this is Gio Severisi, this ain't it. Go fly. And he liked it. So I, I love this part of, of, of MLS, by the way. I totally agree with you, Paolo. It's like uh, they're humans too. The players, think about us. Like we're on social all the time. We are retweeting. We're reading stuff. We probably have tons of tweets in our drafts that like we, we don't send out because we're like, ah, eh, maybe right. not. Imagine what the players do. And this is just one of those times where a guy clearly is unhappy with his playing situation and sees this tweet from a fan that's like understanding him and he likes it. Is there, is there something wrong with that? Jeff, what do you think? Yeah. I, I don't think that there's necessarily a problem with it. I don't think that there's a problem with these players have personality. I don't think there's a problem with these players interacting with fans either. Um, I, I think it, it should happen. It needs to happen. Um, where, where it becomes an issue is when there's this sort of like in MLS, you can't do that, but in other sports or in other leagues of the world, we make entire news cycles off of stuff. That's the exact same, but it's because you're in this, um, you know, what, what do they call it? And in, in terms of the, the, the EU or the, the UK's rights anyway, just like a tier three, tier four league, right? Like, um, you know, stay in your lane, but no, it's, it's, it's a growing league. It's, it's a league that if you want it to be worth talking about, it needs something special about it. It needs something unique about it. That isn't just like sanitized. It looks very professional. Doesn't it? We sign three very good players at most on your teams. And then some other very good players from around the world with Tam, like you need to bring it into something that's more recognizable. Um, with so more, so basically more TMZ coverage, more TMZ style coverage of MLS, right? That's what you're saying. You know, Sean Francis, a guy who used to work, for the league and now works for team epiphany agency and in, in new york um he and i like for years just openly said like we want to start a mls tmz site like an american soccer just just incinerate our credentials <laughs> like not have any need to have any attachment to any club and uh and just cover the league like tmz covers you know michael jackson's death or something like that like just pure um, bombastic that's what we wanted. i still want it you know um but, you know, you got to secure the bag. I'm not ready to risk it all for that. Uh, another part of the story that that was very much a part of Decision Day also was that it was the last day for local broadcast teams, television broadcast teams, to, to call these games for MLS. We're talking about people that have been doing this for since day one of MLS coverage 27 years ago. Some of the, the, the top names that you guys mentioned in your story were Dave Johnson in D.C., uh, J.P. De La Camera, uh, you you embedded a tweet from from Joe Tutino, who's the the voice of the LA Galaxy. He's been the voice of the LA Galaxy since since day one. He gets emotional calling the Galaxy his family, uh, and and it's it's true. It's ending because of MLS's new media rights deal with Apple, which will begin in 2023. Now every game next season is going to be on the Apple platforms. Uh, MLS is taking over the production of the TV broadcast. They'll have their own TV crews, uh, analysts, and play-by-play and -play people. It's not going to be the local teams and local sideline reporters that everybody's used to. And even I was thinking after I read the story that even new clubs like Atlanta United, Austin, Charlotte, you know, they hired 
full teams of you know sideline reporters, play by pay, play by pay people, analysts, and they connected with their communities too. And now that's ending. So, um, just quick takes from both of you, Pablo. Like, start with you. Like, what you you know Dave Johnson well. You published a story. Just I think it's out today. Um, sort of like a look back at his career covering DC United. You know what what's what's the takeaway from the fact that this is seems to be ending so abruptly the the local TV broadcast. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge loss in a way. You know, I think, um, look, we could s- sit here and extol the virtues of this Apple deal for 10 minutes. Obviously, you know, it's a ton of money for the league. Let's let's be real. Like, most of us stream these games at this point, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, in a market like D.C., where Dave has been the guy for 27 years, I mean, he's basically like family to, to fans. You know, this is – he's not the only one. You look at – you know, you mentioned Joe Tutina or J.P., um, you know, Brian Dunseth, all these guys, you know, they have like pretty strong bonds with uh, fan bases and um, it's not going to be the same. I mean, you'll see some of those guys back. I mean, I don't think Apple TV is going to be, you know, I don't think JP Dell camera is not going to call games in the Apple deal, but they're not going to be union games. They're just going to be, you know, between it's like, neutral teams. It's team. like a national t- television broadcast, basically. Exactly. I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, I have my, I have my own doubts about, how well this is going to work at least in the first year. Yeah, you know, I good. think it might be in my view, maybe it's sort of massively uh, underestimated the amount of prep that it takes for a lot of these guys to, to do neutral games. I mean, I talked to um, Tom, the, the since uh, uh, play by play guy before the game on Sunday. And he said, yeah, I mean, I'm used to prepping for one team, you know, every mm-hmm. week, obviously you're not going to teach me anything. I don't know about Cincinnati at this point. Um, you know, so it's it's uh, it's tough. I mean, I think, you know, the last thing I'd say about it is like, and I, I sound like a broken record because I know I've written this in multiple pieces, but, you know, MLS is always sort of kind of desperately clawing its way, trying to like look for authenticity and stuff like that. And it continues to just cast the only authentic elements it has to the side while it does that, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's just my feeling. And look, there's there's a whole crop of, MLS fans. I mean, you see it on Twitter, Felipe. I'm sure you know if uh, if Atlanta is playing the Crew or something, and all of a sudden Atlanta fans are listening to the Crew's broadcast team. You see tweets pop up, you know, or any team, not just the Crew, not picking on them, that are like, "Who are these guys? Like, what is this? These guys are horrible." You know, it's like it's not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it happened, you know, for instance, like I, I didn't have Bally Sports. Like I, I have Sling. I've cut the cord, you know, years ago. And so I you, I would watch Atlanta United games with a VPN through a VPN and I would go through ESPN Plus and I didn't know what broadcast I was going to get. This last season, I almost did not watch any Atlanta United game away game with the the local crew so i was getting the cruise crew charlotte uh the red bulls and for me i was like oh cool like i'm actually like i'm hearing uh sort of the visitor sides um broadcast team and it was it was fun it was it was, it was nice to kind of hear that but but i agree you, you you people were already missing out on what they were used to as the steel as the deal began uh, to take place and then Bally sports couldn't figure out what to do with it, with the local cable companies, Jeff, I want to ask you, I want to say one thing and then ask you about this because like I had a conversation uh, actually last night with uh, a reporter who was part of a local broadcast team uh, for an MLS team. And she, she offered an interesting point. Um, You know, I think a lot of these teams also, the fact that they are essentially like, they own these these broadcast teams it's like a lot of them try to sanitize the tv broadcast and it becomes very 
like a Homer pro club uh, feel to the commentary. Some fans really like that because that's the traditional way of doing things. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think moving into this new deal with Apple, the analysis uh, is going to be a lot different from these teams and from these national broadcasters. Like a lot of these clubs that are used to that and that try to make it sanitized may be in for, for a rude awakening. And I'm going to be honest, like I kind of like that. What do you think? I, yeah, I do too. And I think that that's a good way to frame it as well. Um, there were some, you don't notice it as much with a play-by-play because a play-by-play should be steering as close to describing and telling you exactly what's happening in front of your eyes. There shouldn't be a mismatch between reality and the spoken word in that sense. But it was always in the the analysis, the color commentator's job, sometimes even the sideline reporter's jobs, if they were still at the club for that matter, because they've been kind of phased out over the last few years. But um, by and large, it was those people you know, where, who they really buy into it. They would buy into the, I'm an employee of the club. I'm an ex-player at the club, perhaps. Um, and so, you know, it's we. It's always, you know, our, their, mm. um, whatever. It's, it's using this verbiage as if, you know, they're still part of the team or as if they are, you know, the, the 12th per player on the field, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like, there, there's just a part of it where um, you, you could only take it so seriously. You could tell that they were trying to make the year-end team highlight reel another one uh so and that that's mostly with goal calls where you would just have the most over the top like <laughs> audacious calls because the home team scored a goal in an otherwise 3-1 loss but they're making it like they won the world cup they're, they're using all this alliteration and all this stuff too where yeah i think it'll it'll sanitize it right which which does inherently mean less of it means something that's a little bit cleaner a little bit more you know nationally savvy maybe but yeah. Um, you know, I can completely understand why, you know, a lot of fans got really attached to hearing those voices and getting used to those kind of goal calls, getting used to that, that analysis that, that makes them look for what their team's doing well, even in a bad performance. Um, and that might just be harder to come by in the new format. I, I, I'll just interject very quickly. Um, I definitely agree with most of what Jeff said, but the other thing I would point out is, um, these people... <laughs> There's not going to be any objectivity whatsoever. They still all work for MLS. It's still a single entity <laughs> league. They're, they're, they still have to like care for the product, essentially. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to p- hear people. You know, if Dave, just because Dave Johnson or Joe, you know JP, whoever they're calling a a neutral game, they're still employees of the league. Yeah. You know, um, it's sort of one of the disadvantages of of uh, of the league sort of running the show here. You know. Um, yeah. But, yep. you know, I don't know that I'm really bothered by that. I've always said, for example, any fan who complains about, you know, that it would be like complaining that MLSsoccer.com isn't objective enough or something. Well, yeah. you're getting your news from the league website. You know, it's like you hear commentary during an MLS game. I mean, I don't know. Bear in mind that they, they're they employing every single commentator from here on forward, you know, so. It'll be interesting. I agree. I think it, it, it will lead to some uh, more neutral analysis. I think if a team is doing really poorly, uh, the, 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 the MLS analysts, the MLS teams should have a little bit more leeway uh, to, to put pressure on the, cl- on the clubs, on the, on the sporting directors, on, on some of the players perhaps that aren't performing, on the coaches that aren't, pre- that aren't performing without fear of retaliation, to be honest with you. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Um, but let's move on. I think another part of, of decision day and a big part of the piece was the crew and the fact that Caleb Porter has now lost his job. He was fired after the Columbus crew collapsed once again, once again, in the late stages of a game, uh, it, it is in the piece. I believe that, uh, they have celebrated the two year milestone of having one MLS cup in 2020 by dropping 24 points from winning positions that's pretty wild the fact that they dropped 24 points from winning positions and that yeah. just two seasons ago porter was at the top of the mountain now he is out of a job and you guys discussed this is porter damaged goods i think that's really an interesting question jeff what do you think let's start with you yeah, and I do want your take on this one too, fully, but I'm, I'm curious because it just happened so recently. And by the way, it was really nice of our colleagues, Paul and Sam, to, to wait to send their scheduled tweet after Columbus lost against Orlando about Porter's dismissal and waited to send it until before Paolo and I had finished writing this so we could actually get involved in that. So thanks, guys. Appreciate that. There you go. Um, I think <sighs> damaged goods is, is such a hard term because um, – on the one hand, he's won MLS Cup at two clubs. And I think that you'd be hard-pressed to find a team who wouldn't want to bring in a coach who has won MLS Cup, and it wasn't specifically because of the infrastructure they're in at that one club, right? Um, you know, like, I, I think it's going to be a big question. Like, for example, whenever Peter Vermees decides he's done in Kansas City, like, it's going to be very hard to envision what the next job looks like for him for so many reasons. But one of them is because he's been able to control so many elements, right? So this is independent from that. This isn't what Bruce Arena does or Bob Bradley does when they walk into clubs and take it over. So that's something that will probably still be alluring to him. Caleb Porter has had success. He had success in Akron as well. Um, yeah, he wins. He knows how to win. I mean, he knows he how to lose a lot of playoff games too, but yes. he has certainly yes. won. And that's the flip side is that it's not just a Caleb Porter thing, but you're not seeing many MLS teams right now wanting to hire guys who have been head coaches in Major League Soccer right now. Right now, the, the trends are either you look abroad or if you're looking domestic, you're looking for an assistant who hasn't gotten a chance yet, who is going to have a fresh ideology, perhaps an approach that isn't known across the league. 
Um, you might, you, you don't really hire college coaches anymore. You don't really hire USL coaches much anymore um, since Mark DeSantos at Vancouver. So I, I think it, it, it's just a tough market right now where, you know, like I say Vegas, and I think that that still makes the most sense to me. And part of it's because it's so nebulous that there isn't like a, he doesn't fit with this part of the ideology because the club hasn't even been announced and it hasn't actually been awarded. So it's, it's as nebulous as a, just an idea on a chalkboard. But um, I, I think that it makes sense if he's, he's on that front end, that's a new project for him as well. He's not taking over for Greg Berhalter in Columbus. He's not taking over a, a Portland team that had been kind of middling in its own, you know, kind of instability with John Spencer. So um, I think that it, it does make some sense for him. I, would, I don't think that Caleb Porter is done coaching. Um, no, not at all. Not at all. But uh, I, I don't necessarily, as I look at the other jobs in the league that I think could open up this off season, I don't necessarily think that he's an obvious fit for many, if any of those jobs. I, I would add to, if you're in this league long enough as a head coach, this is, uh, you know, it might apply to Caleb, but it applies to a lot of guys. Um, while you do earn a, a, you know, reputation for results, the MLS cup wins, stuff like that. There's probably an equal number of front office employees who dislike you, um, yeah. or who you know who don't want to employ you. Um, uh, you know, and as as Jeff said, I mean, I think the uh, the direction the league is moving in is is more a fresh meat kind of direction. So, whether he deserves another job immediately or not, I, I don't know that that's going to be sort of the. I don't know how much that gets factored into the math here. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think he'll he'll find a job. And and the trends that you guys are speaking to, I would I would add that the MLS experience trend is very much the one that's leading the way. I actually think international coaches are going to find a harder time getting jobs. Like a, some 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 international coaches have flopped, like Frank DeBoer, Gabor Heinze did not work out, and perhaps there's that sort of personality and the lack of experience in MLS could scare away sporting directors and presidents and say, Hey, well, let's go with the assistant. It happened in Atlanta. Like, Hey, Gazelle Pineda, best assistant in MLS, give him the right. job, even though he's never been a head coach, you know, Pat Noonan, the same thing. Ante Razov is always interviewing and is up for jobs. And these guys probably, yes, you could argue they deserve it, but are they the right call? We'll see. I mean, Hey, maybe Caleb Porter will be the chief analyst for Apple's MLS. Hey, there we go. Oh my right, God. Right? They, can't be, they can't all be Phil Neville's. You know what I mean? Oh, if every team could have a Phil Neville, we'd be great. There's only oh, one Phil Neville. I promise. There's only one Phil Neville. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, also about, about Porter before we move on, Porter and the Vegas link that Jeff refers to, I think is really interesting. I would just ask, you know, ask the question is he a big enough name for Vegas? I mean, Vegas is going to come mm. in, they're going to want to be loud. And, and and big and bold and throw money at, at the, you know, throw drop money from helicopters. Who knows? Like, we don't know what they're going to do. Look, but do they could, want a big name or do they want a guy like Caleb, Caleb Porter? Man, you could tell me that Jose Mourinho is going to be the head coach of Vegas someday. See? Like, I'm, see? I, I can absolutely see it. Of course I can. I think that whoever takes over Vegas, whenever, <laughs> if ever, <laughs> they get in the league, like, they have to be willing to wear all black. I do think that needs to be mandatory. Oh, so, Cholo, like so it's Cholo Simeone, right? That's what you're right, exactly. Like, uh, just you know who's linked, uh, Jeff, with uh, an, an MASL major arena soccer league franchise with owner, owning one in Las Vegas, Ronaldinho. Sure. So I'm just going to start this rumor Very now, much. Ronaldinho for 
Ronaldinho with the zero coaching experience. Sporting director in Vegas, Ronaldinho. Uh, the, la- the last thing on the crew, and, and this was a good point by Pablo in the piece. And, and again, please go check this out if you guys are listening. Check, it, uh, check out this, this new weekly column that Jeff and Pablo are going to be putting out during the playoffs. Uh, the crew logo curse. Uh, <laughs> the fact that they have rebranded again and they don't make the playoffs. They're a bad team right now. Uh, and, you know, let this be a lesson to GMs and brand managers around MLS. Do you think, Pablo and Jeff? I mean, who else is rebranded and is still terrible? The Fire, New England rebrands, yeah. and now suddenly they've collapsed. Ooh, is, there saying, truly, is there truly well, yeah, a yeah, thought of this, but, yeah, no, is this there is a great. curse here? I think you're honest. They rebranded and they're bad. Let's New say England DC United only made the playoffs once since they redid their logo in 2017, I want to say. Montreal. Um, Montreal's was so bad that they're currently working on another rebrand and they still finished two points off of Philly for the top of the conference. That's the one <laughs> exception I can find right now. Uh, man, I think we might need to crunch the numbers on this, Felipe. Yeah, um, I mean, there's something to dig into here. I mean, there is honestly like we like there good p- could be a correlation where you erase your history, try to be bold and rebrand and it affects your performance on the pitch. I mean, that's something that we might have to get the analytics team on this one, too. I buy that though. Like just like the hearing it, I buy it because fans. I can't think of an MLS rebrand recently where the fans have been like, "Thank you, we've been looking for this." <laughs> like, like I, I think that there's there's some confusion. Why isn't Houston just owning the orange? Why isn't uh, Montreal? Why did Montreal get rid of Impact, the name that they'd had for decades? Like yeah, Houston's know, another one. Jesus, it's actually yeah. true. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, just, I was just afraid it was the three construction workers like cursing them for, you know, for beyond the grave, just, well, like, <laughs> just take, still, taking like a jackhammer and just like you know knocking a ball off the goal line or something. Or, in know, the ninety first yeah. minute, suddenly they rev up the jackhammers and just. I mean, uh, if anything, I'm going if... to spend the next thirty minutes of my day after we cut this podcast, literally compiling the data on that because that is this is actually completely true. If, you know? if anything has come out of this sort of bizarre edition of Copa with Felipe Cardenas. It's, it's the fact that we've given, we've given Pablo his next story. He's, he's going to figure this one out. I guarantee it. Um, all right, let's, let's end with predictions. You guys go into this, into the predictions for, we're not talking MLS cup yet, although you do allude to some teams that may make it to MLS cup. I thought it was yeah. interesting that Jeff, Jeff is actually somewhat not comparing, but like Austin FC in Atlanta, 2018. Wow. I mean, I, I think I think RSL is going to beat Austin, to be honest with you. But let's go through the let's go through the the current bracket and get your predictions um, quickly. The New York Red Bulls and Cincinnati. Uh, I, I do you guys both like Cincinnati or can uh, what, what did you refer to uh, the Red Bulls, Jeff, in your story? FC New Jersey. Uh, that that was New York City. With ah, okay. okay. Red Bull Arena, and unfortunately now they're back in New York, so that one's going to be short lived. Um, no, but I I mean for Rosenball Sport. New York like I do think that there's a I think that they've got a good chance like it's I think it's going to be the best matchup in terms of like 50 50 could go either way if if this was a betting column which please stress this is not a betting column anymore but if it was I would tell you not to bet on this game like at all because it it truly it could go to a PK shootout it could be like a 5-4 slugfest or it could be just the most ugly 1-0 set piece does it sort of thing um Matt Miazga against New York. That's kind of fun. 
Um, I, I think that the, the Red Bulls this year have been more consistent. They've continued to trust young players. They've integrated some other players into the team. Daniel Edelman is someone I wrote about this week. He's emerged um, as their new number six. Yeah, taking over kind of that lineage from Dax McCarty to Tyler Adams to Sean Davis. And now it looks like it's going to be, um, you know, it's not quite center field of the New York Yankees, but it's it's still, you know, a pretty impressive lineage. So, um, you know, I think that they'll they'll play well. They'll they'll want to keep the game contained. I think that Cincinnati, with any team, and, and Felipe, you, you remember this from Atlanta as well in 2017, any team going into its first playoff game, they 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 have too much emotion for the they moment. They buckle. Sometimes. They buckle. They buckle. Yeah. Minnesota yeah. lost their first game, which they hosted, to the Galaxy um, in 2019. Atlanta lost, of course, to the crew. Um, it's it's hard. I think LAFC even if I remember right, lost pretty early in 2018. So um, it's not easy. It's not easy. Not you, easy. you don't have a scale for the moment, especially if you have a coach who's um, you know, not been in the MLS playoffs. That's like one rare moment where that, that experience is like so clearly necessary to understand what you're getting yourself into. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it could go either way. Um, I, I pick the Red Bulls. I think maybe just for the sake of intrigue, (laughs) but, but I can very easily see Cincinnati um, doing the job there. Pablo, what do you think uh, galaxy Nashville? You know, Nashville. Well, you grew up in Nashville. Is that your, is your heart? Are you going to go with your heart or go with Chicharito Hernandez, LeBron James, Selly? Um, I think, I think Nashville's a more well-constructed team, you know, and I think honey Mutar has been, among the most consistent players in the league, at least for the last two thirds of the season, obviously started out kind of slow. Um, you know, they're like, they've, they, uh, as always, as the, as has been the case since the, the club's inception, they're the spine is so good of that team. Their center backs, you know, I, I just, I don't know. Um, and yeah, it, you know, I grew up in Nashville, so <laughs> whatever, <laughs> not above making some sort of a, you know, hometown pick. It doesn't bleed into my coverage, but you know, um, all right. Yeah, the Galaxy have won enough. Not recently, but you know, <laughs> I like Nashville in that game as well. But I think it'll be tight. That might be the first game that goes to to penalty shootout, and then we will see Chicharito Hernandez uh, miss the, miss the fifth penalty. Uh, right. as, if as he tries a Panenka again, I would just why not do the Panenka yeah. Chicha? If you're listening, do a Panenka in the playoffs. You'll make uh, one of them eventually. I promise he, he might. He might. Lose, you know? Okay, we're gonna skip around. I want to get to you know Austin Royal Salt Lake. I'll 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 talk about this one. I, I'm ch- taking RSL because I was I was on a, another show recently. They asked me about that matchup, and I just said, listen, I think RSL is gonna kick their way past that game. They're just gonna kick Austin to death. Uh, and probably get to a shootout again or win in the final minute, a 1-0 game, Pablo Mastroeni masterclass once again. Uh, and RSL becomes that team that no one wants to play in the playoffs. So that's my pick. Uh, Montreal, Orlando City. Listen, Orlando City, if you if you guys remember when we made our, our picks at the beginning of the year, Paul Tenorio got mad at me because I took his pick. I took his hometown team, Orlando City, as my MLS Cup champion. I almost looked awful when they were close to elimination but they're still in it and i'm sticking to them they have el pulpo the octopus in goal pedro gallese uh you know i think they're another team that is is fine playing uh in a compact system and going down to the wire uh they've they're they're playing a favorite in montreal and everybody's coach of the year candidate and wilfred nancy uh but i'm gonna stick with orlando city uh we're gonna get to coaches coach of the year comments to end the show but quickly new york city and inter miami uh, Jeff, thoughts on that one? 
Uh, I think it's a it's a matchup that is going to sound good on paper. I'm glad that it's moving back to a baseball stadium because for some reason, um, New York City FC. I mean, it, not some reason. Their home stadium is a baseball stadium, and so they tactically work with that in mind. And so it, it doesn't really work at Red Bull Arena. Pablo wrote about this too. The atmosphere just doesn't carry when they play there. So I'm glad that it moved to City Field. Thank you, New York Mets. Um, for doing what the Mets do. And look, I, I think that Miami, it's, it's a better team than a lot of us, myself included, expected that they would be this year. I thought that they would be among the worst teams in Major League Soccer, just given all the sanctions that they had, how much bloodletting they needed to do. But then Toronto inexplicably just kind of handed them Alejandro Pozuelo and, and said they could care of it, right? Like, it, it, it yeah, and, and, and Atlanta decided to just be bad and have a bunch of injuries, and it just like gave right. Inter Miami like the opportunity. Yeah. Do you Teams think continue to creep up? Like, yeah, yeah, it gave them room to continue creeping up the table. Yeah. Do you think Phil Neville would be okay if this game were played on a cricket field, on a cricket cricket pitch? I mean, he's he seems to be concerned about the baseball pitch, but if it were cricket, it would be. He okay. also seems to be getting all of his news from fan accounts <laughs> apparently these days. <laughs> so, if you don't follow Phil Neville, it's Fizzer eighteen on Twitter and he's very that's active. Easy. I love yeah. it. He's very active. Very, very, um, very too active. But that's I kind of feel like FC Dallas and MLS, I'm sorry, FC Dallas and Minnesota is the most MLS playoff matchup yeah, of this first round. Is is why should we watch? Pablo. First. Pablo first. I know I mean you've got the Minnesota insight in Jeff Ruder, but let's 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 go with Pablo first. Don't don't ever ask me why you should watch an MLS game. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what sort of bizarre storyline might emerge from this game. Jeff, we want to, Jeff we covers want, Minnesota we, United for a living. We want to see if Jesus Ferreira uh, can score. Um, yeah. Jeff, why, why should why should we watch Minnesota United and FC Dallas? Um, I don't know who's playing Monday Night Football, <laughs> but I think it would be the counter-programming angle would be a big carrying factor. Um, I think that you would be watching Dallas – for Nico Estevez's style. You'd be watching to see how Jesus Ferreira fares in, um, you know, the first of hopefully a couple of big games to, to close out his club session before going to the World Cup for the United States men's national team. Um, for Minnesota, you'd be wanting to watch Emmanuel Reynoso on the ball. Um, I mean, I think you're right. It is just that kind of MLS-y, like, it, it could get really stretched or it could be so compact that you're, you're kind of counting down until the shootout from yeah. the start of the second half. But... Um, I, I, Adrian Heath. I mean, he might say something at halftime that becomes a headline. Yeah. You never know. He yeah, you never know. Awesome. You never know. I, I think it is still watchable. I, I think that this round, I will say, is actually a very watchable first round of the playoffs. I think there have been some years where there are a couple of games where it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, well, yeah. But I, I, I think that the way that these teams are playing, it's it, it's a pretty good bracket. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's the last one. I think that's the other thing too. It's the last one of the first round. So if you want to have a sense of who else is going to make it and be the first to see the the full official second round bracket, you need to watch that game to get that graphic. It's an exclusive. What can you do? That, man, that's the best you could do when it comes. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's that was well done. It's that was the well last better than you did. Round, so you'll find that's out. That's way better than you did. You were just like, round. I never watch MLS. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> Pablo was completely thrown off by the question. Uh, all right, let's end it here, guys, on the coach of the year candidates. Yeah. Uh, you guys get into it. It was one of my favorite parts of the piece from Monday. Uh, you know, my, my my boy, Michele Giannone from Tudene, great sideline reporter for MLS, just does everything. He's always on the road, uh, English, Spanish, 
national team, MLS, League MX, you name it, he covers it. I do think he was glamored, though, by uh, the the vampire that is Inter Miami after they qualified for the playoffs and the Gonzalo Higuain uh, comeback tour just com- continues to go strong when they completely just owned Orlando City. Michaela Giannone tweeted, my coach of the year is Phil Neville. How do we feel about that? A team that struggled, you know, yes, they had the sanctions. They, they clawed their way into the playoffs. They, they, the bare minimum for any team is to make the playoffs. Is that enough to be coach of the year? Really? No. Pablo, Pablo, yeah, no. let's go. I'm, I have one thing to say about this entire, you know, I, I don't like, I understand. I very much understand the arguments for Wilford Nancy. Um, I don't understand how it could be anybody other than Curtin. Like I just—he's my vote, by the way. I'm voting. I just Curtin. don't get it. I mean, he—that like he's—he's he's leading a team that um, nearly won the Shield, that has set historically—you know—they've been historically prolific and historically stingy in the same season. Um, people, a lot, you know, Jeff, for example, sort of like assembling our year on picks, and Jeff made the very valid point that Nancy has done a lot with just a sort of mid-table team spending-wise. Yeah, true. The union spend less, you know, yeah, um, yeah. and then yeah. there are all these weird ancillary things like the fact that the club actually has an ethos, that sort of stuff that just to me, it's like, you know, I don't think Curtin's a sexy pick here because I think there's been a lot of he's gotten a lot of love for the past few years. I don't know, man. Jim Curtin went to a Steve Lacey concert last night, and that's that's about as sexy as it gets. So yeah, yeah. Careful. I wow. mean, to me, it's just like. This is such yeah. an obvious pick, and I'm so mind blown that it, if I had to guess right now, it feels like every other person who covers the league is picking Nancy. Yeah. Um, or yeah. in Michelle's case, uh, inexplicably, <laughs> Phil Neville. Phil Neville. <laughs> Phil yeah. Neville. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, before I get to you, yeah, I, I agree with Pablo, and I saw a lot of Wilfred Nancy uh, picks as coach of the year. I get it. Like, this is a, a sort of a weird story, but. When Gabriel Heinze was still the coach of Atlanta United, they played like a last-minute thriller in Atlanta and Montreal and uh, Atlanta United. And after the game, uh, Gabriel Heinze could not stop talking about Wilfred Nancy. He was like, that was one of the most fun games he had ever coached in. It was like a chess match for him. They were going back and forth at each other just tactically, right? Trying to match each other's moves. Uh, and at the end of the game, they embraced. And, and, and it was sort of like a cool moment between two international managers in MLS. And then from there, in my opinion, Wilfred Nancy has just continued to show that he's a very good coach. Yeah. But yes, I voted for Jim Curtin as well, because it's like the second year in a row of like very good soccer continuity, you know, a system, a to, 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 to Pablo's point, an ethos, a project, a belief. They are just killing teams at times and they play good soccer. You watch them play and you know what you're getting. The signings have been good. They believe in their coach. You can tell that they play for him. Uh, And I agree, like perhaps it's because he's too uh, like a next door neighbor type of personality. But to me, Jim Curtin is like the top coach in the league. What do you think? Jeff? So uh, two things on this. First of all, um, I think that a lot of these awards fans care about. <laughs> they care about the MVP. They care about the best 11. I think actually, especially the best 11, because yeah. they want to see their team represented. They want to Correct. see like, oh, you didn't watch our team if you didn't put 
this player in this role, right? So, so I think that there's a large category of these awards in MLS that fans really care about. I think that a short of the referee and assistant referee of the year awards, <laughs> this might be the one fans, at least just from my observation, care about the least. Because it, it's, again, it, it either can come down to how the team performed and how much did the coach have to do with that compared to the talent, or how much did our own expectations fuel our voting from what we carried into the season? Um, so just for what it's worth, um, I, I think I was- Do you have a vote, Jeff? Do you have a vote? I voted Wilfred Nancy. I okay. did actually, but don't want it. Okay. Um, okay. But I, it was him, then it was Jim Curtin in my like ranking. Um, and I was just thinking consistency. Steve Shrundalo was third, and then Josh Wolf was fourth. If Austin hadn't finished the season so poorly, um, kind of once they realized they're on the doorstep, they, they faltered, they faltered, they faltered. And I think that that kind of took them out of the running for me. Um, Cause I think consistency to me is more important, most right. important, I would say actually for an award like this, because it shows you can navigate a 34 game slate. So um, I had Wilfred Nancy. I, I understand Curtin. I think that the difference with Curtin is we'd seen him do it before. This was the first time we'd seen it. And so it, it's something of like an emergence, a recognition on my side of it, but um, no, I completely agree with you. If you're looking and saying, okay, they finished fifth, sixth, seventh in the conference, I think we should award them for that. That's that's not what I'm trying to <laughs> reward yeah. in this economy. And, and, and listen, I, and I'll give I'll give Phil, <laughs> Phil Neville credit. You know, the, the team was 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 dead in the water. Uh, he he had to manage a, a, a big big personality in Gonzalo Guain, get him to understand his role, help him out mentally. And and really encourage the guy to just be the the goal scorer that he is. And again, like I remember talking to a source about Inter Miami before the season. He was like, they're going to be playing on one leg. Like if any teams that finish below Inter Miami, bad look for them. And so there you go. Inter Miami's in the playoffs. Uh, they might be one and out, but good for them. Phil Neville, I believe, is out of contract. Uh, we'll see what happens there. You know, does Lionel Messi want to play for Phil Neville? You know, what do you, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but, but yes, guys, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Copa with Fupe Cardenas comes to an end. Please look out for the weekly column by Pablo Mauro and Jeff Ruder. It'll be premiering weekly during the playoffs. Uh, it's fun. It's insightful. Uh, don't get your, your feelings hurt if you're a fan of any of these teams, but you might. And that's the whole purpose of it. It's fun. Read it. Share it. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for having us. Cheers.